1: Happy Monday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on a gorgeous day here in the auburn Opelika area. Uh, the temperature feels nice. The sun is shining. It's a gorgeous day here in Auburn, Alabama. Hope you're doing well. I hope you all had a fantastic weekend. Uh, lots to talk about uh, here on the show today, as always, on a Monday. Uh, and, and, you know, people have started claiming Mondays like this, Overreaction Monday, and I think it's a great way to put that. Um, we just so much to talk about about Auburn. Uh, about the SEC, about college football. I mean, there is a lot to talk about on the show today and really all week long as we move out of week three and get into week four of college football. I hope you had a great weekend. Um, I sure did. Um, Disappointing on Friday night, though. uh, Lee Scott went uh, went to Glenwood and came up short over there. And, uh, and and took their first loss of the year. And I was flying solo on the broadcast. But it was a lot of fun still. Um, and then, yeah, watched a lot of football on Saturday. Covered the game for Auburn um, on Saturday night there from uh, from the press box. And then uh, watched a lot of NFL yesterday. So tons of great football, which gives us tons of great things to talk about. Here's what's on the show for today. We're going to get reactions from week three of college football. Look at some of the biggest results from over the weekend, we'll talk about those, um, maybe have some overreactions of our own and really just talk about where college football is three weeks into the 2023 season. We'll have question of the day. Then we'll talk about Auburn versus Sanford. Uh, what I saw, what I heard, um, talk about what Hugh Freeze had to say earlier today in his press conference. Um, there's a lot to break down here. and You know this. It's going to take a couple of days to get through it all. Uh, so we'll talk some about that later on in this hour. And then coming up in hour number two, Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network will join us on the phone lines, get his thoughts on Auburn as they beat Sanford and get ready to travel to Texas A&M. But until that point, phone lines are open. I want to hear from you. Here on a Monday afternoon, 334 321 1390 is the number that puts you through to me. 334 321 1390. what are your takeaways from uh from Albert Sanford? Uh, what are your takeaways from the college football games over the weekend, whether it be SEC games, whether it be other games outside? Um, whatever your thoughts are. What what are, what are your takeaways from from the weekend? of college football or if you got takeaways from the nfl there were some interesting results yesterday as well so um whatever's on your mind give me a call i want to hear from you 334-321-1390 um here on this monday september 18th we're inside the auburn plaza bar and lounge studio um and do want to shout out really quickly before i forget um our Orthopedic Clinic High School Player of the Week this week uh, is Auburn High School's Henry Allen. Allen uh, was responsible for three total touchdowns on Friday night, one through the air and two on the ground. We know uh, Auburn High dealing with a quarterback um, problem, and I say that because their starter went out, uh, got hurt a couple of weeks ago, so they're trying to figure out what they want to do there. Um, and Henry Allen stepped in, had a passing touchdown and two touchdowns on the ground as well, and that led Auburn High to a 46 to nothing victory on Friday night over the jag jaguars and so henry allen is your orthopedic clinic high school player of the week the orthopedic clinic is east alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care with locations in auburn and opelika to better serve you on the web at theorthoclinic.com. well let's look at what happened in college football over the weekend um in a week where the slate wasn't all that great Right, I talked about that last week, how I didn't think the the games were all that exciting. Um, There were very few matchups I thought could be interesting, but man, was I wrong. I mean, I was wrong, and college football proved why we love it so much, because there were some really, really interesting games. Um, There were some games that I didn't think were going to be good that ended up being good, Um, I think a lot of teams got humbled this weekend, if I'm just going to be really honest with you. I think a lot of teams got humbled in college football this weekend. Um, And I think you can look at that from multiple different teams, multiple different conferences. Um, I think there were some teams that really got hit with some reality over the weekend. And how about – I mean, we're just going to kind of go through these. Georgia. Hosting South Carolina, a game where the Dogs were favored by four touchdowns. I said, absolutely not. No way. I said, there's no way they're going to win their SEC opener by four touchdowns. And they had to come back, if you recall. They were down 14-3 at the half to South Carolina. Then the defense stepped up and held South Carolina scoreless. And Georgia's offense woke up a little bit, and they win 24-14. But this was not a game That Georgia just rolled in for four quarters. This was not a game that people were predicting it to be a blowout. And Georgia's got some issues. Georgia can't run the football right now. They've got to find a way to run the ball. They also have to find a way to, which they, their one running back, Edwards, he looked really, really good. And you know, they've got injury problems, but they've got an offensive issue and they've got to figure it out. Defense woke up and looked a lot better in the second half, but, you know, a 10-point win, a ten point win over South Carolina looks good, but being down 14-3 to three at the half, Georgia fans were worried there for a little bit, and they ended up coming back and winning the football game. Uh, you look down the list of other games and results that happened, Florida State having to survive and escape with a win over Boston College. Uh, Florida State was down a bunch of starters on Saturday, but... That was not a pretty win by any means for Florida State. Um, you had Texas coming off their win versus Alabama. Looked sloppy against Wyoming. And uh, this was a tie ball game in the fourth quarter at 10 apiece before Texas put on 21 points in that final quarter. And other games here through, uh, through the top 10, and this top 10 has been updated now. The AP poll came out, and we'll talk about that as well. Um, Washington went and dominated Michigan State like I figured they would. That um, was a combination of of Washington being really good and that Michigan State program just—I uh, mean, really just being in shambles. I mean, they don't know what's going on there. Nobody really knows what's up. And um, Washington handled business. Then there's the big one—the one that I know everybody in this town has been talking about. Everybody in this state has been talking about it. Alabama went on the road to South Florida where they were favored by 36 points, starting a brand-new quarterback, third quarterback in two games. And Tyler Buckner and Alabama went in there and looked horrible, looked terrible. Tyler Buckner got the start, didn't look good. So what did Alabama do? They pulled him out, and they put Ty Simpson in. He looked okay, but nothing great. And Alabama was tied at the half with South Florida at three. That's what this game was. They came out and put a touchdown on in the third quarter and a late touchdown in the fourth quarter to get a 17-3 win. But folks, Alabama's got some issues. Alabama has serious issues right now in Tuscaloosa. And it's not just the quarterback. That's the main one. That's the main one. But they've got other problems. Their offensive line is probably the worst performing one that I've seen under Nick Saban. And that's a big statement. But they just don't have the the talent there, I don't think. Or I don't know what the issue is. But whoever the quarterback is has no time the running backs can't get going the offensive line is just playing really really poorly for them and so they're doing this musical chairs thing with their quarterbacks right now and none of them are going to survive because the offensive line's not helping them out Auburn fans know that way too well but we were questioning why you would go in and start Tyler Buckner in this game and it didn't work out and then you played Ty Simpson and that didn't really work out So much so that today, in Nick Saban's weekly press conference, he said that Jalen is going to start this weekend against Ole Miss. You're in week four of college football of the season. You've got to have a guy locked down. You've got to have a guy playing quarterback and being your starter from here on out. We've been talking about that with Auburn, right? We talked about it last week after we saw the the shuffling in and out of Peyton Thorne and Robbie Ashford. For Alabama to have any sort of success this season, they need to have a quarterback, one, and leave him in the game, unless, God forbid, he gets hurt or just absolutely plays terrible. And in my opinion, that guy's got to be Jay the Milrow. I think Milrow gives Alabama the best chance to win football games. I said it last week, and I'm saying it again. I think he gives them the best chance to win. He can throw 100 yards. Now it's not always accurate, but he can throw it and he can also run. And I think he gives that Alabama offense a little bit of life and energy and some form of a threat. And so to see what happened there in South Florida on Saturday, I mean it was it was a disaster. It was a disaster. For Alabama, and they finally get it done, and they win seventeen to three. But man, I mean, it's just you. It was so difficult to watch it because you just haven't seen a Nick Saban team look like that. You haven't seen a an Alabama team perform like that. And we've seen Alabama lose, sure, and we've seen Alabama get beat by double digits. But I don't remember a time where an Alabama team looked like that. And and I'm I'm struggling to put that into words. But if you watched it, you know what I'm talking about. It just didn't look good. They didn't look like the dominant team that they've always been under Saban. They didn't look like they just out-talented you and out-coached you and out-prepared you. None of that was evident on Saturday. And they've got some real issues there in Tuscaloosa, especially now that Ole Miss comes to town this week. An Ole Miss team that, like it or not, they're 3-0. With a chance to beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa again. It's crazy, man. It's absolutely crazy. So that game happened. I had people telling me all last week, Chris Gordy, Lee Sterling, big-time guest on my show and people outside the show. They tried to tell me, they said, Jacob, Florida's going to beat Tennessee. They said, Tennessee's on upset watch in the Swamp. They haven't won there since 2003. And I said, yeah, but Florida's bad. I said, Jalen Milrow, he's going to, not uh, Milrow, Milton for Tennessee, he's going to figure it out. He's going to play good. I said, Tennessee's going to roll. Well, there goes that. Florida beat them 29-16, and it really wasn't even close. Florida gets a huge win under Billy Napier a win that they desperately needed in Tennessee I don't know I mean you have one of the most exciting quarterbacks I thought in the SEC and Joe Milton and you put up 16 total points seven in the first half I know you're on the road in the swamp at night I get it but man I just don't know if Tennessee's got the offense to compete this year and look credit to Florida man Credit to Florida. They they slowed it down in the second half, and they, uh, they weren't too worried about scoring a whole lot more points. They had 26 in the first half, and they just ran the football, played good defense, and they won the football game. So credit to them, man. That's a win that I did not have Florida getting. Before the season, it's not a game that I had Florida getting the win on Friday. I didn't have it, but people told me they were going to win, and sure enough, they did couple of more games before we get to break how about LSU how about LSU bouncing back and playing really really well and pretty much taking Mississippi State out of the football game in the first five minutes taking the cowbells out of the game taking everything away and playing a really really good game on the road that is how you play on the road in the SEC look at what LSU did that's how you do it and I still think Mississippi State's a good team. I think they were just outmatched on Saturday. I mean, you could see the talent difference on Saturday between LSU and Mississippi State. They went 41-14, wasn't close. LSU ran away with that thing. How about Missouri? I know I'm kind of going through a lot of these SEC games, but how about Missouri? 61-yarder to win? Unbelievable. They get a top-15 win at home, and uh, don't look now. Missouri's 3-0. and They've got one of the best records in the SEC. They're 3-0. So is Ole Miss. Isn't that crazy? Ole Miss beat Georgia Tech on Saturday. You had the game of the week, I guess it was supposed to be. And look, it ended up being pretty good. Colorado and Colorado State. Who stayed up? Did you stay up and watch that? I'm curious. Who, how many of you stayed up and watched that double overtime game on Saturday night slash Sunday morning because it it went off the air about 1.32 o'clock in the morning on Sunday. Colorado, they didn't play well. They were not prepared. They weren't ready for that game, which is kind of shocking to me. But they beat Colorado State 43-35 in double overtime. One of the most exciting games so far this season. Um, Shout out to Travis Hunter. We hope he's okay. Um, I, I haven't seen an update he said he's out four to six weeks i think is what Dion said today um on a hit and we'll go to break after this that hit on travis hunter was disgusting i mean it was bad that's a bad hit that's a bad play that's a bad move by the colorado state defender and that is that's a time and he got the a 15 yard unsportsmanlike penalty but That's a time where the officials have to get together and step in and be like, we've got to put an end to this right now. You had chippiness in the beginning of the game and pregame. You had guys fighting. You had all sorts of things going on. And then you have a hit like that. You've got to put an end to that. He should have been ejected. That guy should have been ejected right then and there. You're done. Go to the locker room. Take your helmet off and get out. We can't have that. Because he seriously could have hurt. Travis Hunter, or anybody else on a play like that. Five or six seconds after the play is already over, ball's on the ground, incomplete, and then you come up and you upend him from the front side, and the guy went to the hospital. Unacceptable, man. It was terrible. It was a horrible, horrible play. Shouldn't have happened, and he shouldn't have been playing after that. But it is what it is. Um, Colorado had to come back in the fourth quarter, to beat Colorado State, go to overtime, go to double overtime, and end up winning the football game. And Colorado's 3-0, and they're going to get humbled this week. I'm just, I'm claiming it right now on a Monday. They're going to get humbled this week because while they are 3-0, and and while they did rush the field against a team they were favored by 24 points, I don't hate it. I don't hate the field rush. I don't. It's a rivalry game. You were a bad program last year. Things are looking great. I don't hate it, but you're going to see this weekend and moving forward, even if Travis Hunter was on the team, you're going to see the talent differential between a team like Oregon that they're going to play this weekend and what Colorado has right now, but credit to them. They're three and zero. they had game day. It was a really good scene and you can't take that away from them. They're three and zero, but I do think they get humbled this weekend. We'll talk some more about college football question of the day coming up. Who's in trouble? After week three of college football, and who should be feeling good with a 3-0 start so far in 2023. I want to hear from you. 334-321-1390. We'll do question of the day. Then we'll talk Auburn Sanford when we come back here on the Monday edition of On the Line.
0: You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app.
1: Let's get to the phone lines here on the Monday edition of On the Line. We'll get to our question of the day as well. I want to hear from you. Who's in trouble after week three of college football and who should be feeling good with a 3-0 and start? Give us a call, 334-321-1390. We're going to go to John. You're on the line, man. What's up?
2: Hey Jacob, good Monday afternoon to you. Yes, I was. I have, uh, I have two comments and a question for you. Okay. Uh, comment number one: I'm not sure if you saw or if you saw or heard uh, tidbits from Lane Kiffin's press conference this morning in Oxford, but it's his belief that um, Kevin Steele was not calling defensive plays Saturday against South Florida. He thinks it's uh, Traverse Robinson, another Auburn former Auburn player who is actually running that defensive scheme now.
3: So yeah. I
2: find it interesting with all of the hubbub around Alabama's offense only producing 17
1: points, yeah
2: that, that, that that's also a problem on the defensive side of the ball for them.
1: Yeah, I did see those comments, and uh, I don't know if you saw Saban respond to those comments um, in his I, press conference today. Nobody got a chance to ask about it. I think he brought it up on his own, did Nick Saban? Um, and he said... Um, he said, you know, I saw the comments, and he said, Kevin Steele's our defensive coordinator. Kevin Steele's calling plays, and, and that's that. So, um, which, whether, you know, whether that's true or not, I don't know. But, yeah, I think they've got a they've got a defensive issue, too, John. And that defensive back room that's supposed to be all that is has struggled so far this season.
2: It really has. Uh, another comment on an SEC team, I was just happy for Missouri, just the – the redemption story of I think Harrison Meevis, the name of their kicker, yeah. who who had 61 yarder to win the game, and what last year in Auburn centered the field, maybe a 20 yarder misses you know from point blank range.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, 61 yarder and, to and, win. Yeah, and yeah, you're right. It yeah. was the same guy from last year that pretty much gave Auburn about five chances to win that football game.
2: Exactly. Exactly. One question I had, if I may, mm-hmm. going to Auburn, Texas A&M. In watching a little bit of A&M film this this week, their two best receivers are are little guys. There's Anaya Smith, who seems like he's been there 25 years, uh, running the slot, and then they have another receiver who's six feet tall, Mm -hmm. who is very good, whose name escapes me right now. Auburn's corners have a little bit of size, so uh, is Auburn going to pull a safety up, or or what do you think schematically Auburn will do to counter the passing game? Because it is a pass
1: pass-versus-offense? It's a good question, John. Um, you know, Auburn, one one problem that Auburn has is injuries, um, and I haven't gotten around to talking about that yet, but uh, John, Auburn has a really, really serious injury problem going on right now. Um, I don't know if you heard about Keontae Scott. He's out for the foreseeable future. He uh, had surgery this morning. Nehemiah um, Pritchett's still kind of, you know, up in the air there. So, you know, Auburn's going to have to find a way to either drop back and, and – and, let, and hopefully just protect and try to make some defensive plays and uh, maybe play some one-on-one. And it's crazy that Auburn does have a little bit of size on the corners and safeties because for so long, I feel like Auburn's had really good players there. They just haven't always been the biggest. So um, I hope that Auburn at least tries to get after the quarterback and not let him sit back there and throw the ball all day. That would be my game plan, John, is to to put a lot of pressure on Connor Wegman and not let him sit back there and pick you apart.
2: And I, and it was his coming out party last year. I, I I have a feeling for Auburn to be successful. Those rush those rush edges, uh, whether it's uh, whether it's uh, you know, the Jalen McLeod, the app state transfer, some mm-hmm. of these some of these some of these guys have to start getting pressure. But anyway, enjoy the call and, and yeah, I'm I think I think Ole Miss has a great shot in Tuscaloosa this weekend. And if I had to circle one game, I think that's uh, I think that's
1: where I would would look this this weekend. Okay, yeah, I, I do too, man. It should be a good game, John. Great to hear from you. Yes, sir. That is John calling in here on the phone lines on the Monday edition of On the Line. Got another call. We're gonna get to uh, get to them after the break. Daniel, hold on. We'll get to you uh, when we come back. We got about a minute before uh, we get to break, and I want you to have plenty of time to talk. But um, to John's points there, yeah, I think. Uh, I think Alabama's defense does have an issue, and I did see the comments from Lane Kiffin today and um, and, and Saban Solemn, too. He responded and said that uh, Kevin Steele is our defensive coordinator. He said he is the D.C., he's calling plays, um, and pretty much defended it uh, extremely hard, as you would expect that he would. Um, Also, I think on Auburn-Texas A&M – I think that Auburn's going to have to get after Connor Wegman because whether you think he's good or not, I didn't think he was all that great. But so far, Connor Wegman's thrown for 900 yards, has a 70% completion percentage, and 8 touchdowns and only two picks. And he's only been sacked twice. So, if Auburn doesn't find a way to get to Wegman this weekend in College Station, yeah, he's proven that he's going to take he's going to take some shots. And they've got a couple of receivers that Hugh Free said today are some of the best that he's seen. Auburn's going to have some work to do in practice this week to prepare for that. We'll talk about some of that when we come back. Daniel, you'll be first up on the phone line. Stay right there. Would love to hear from you as well. 334 321 1390.
0: jacob goins on espn 1067 auburn opelika's sports leader
1: all right we're halfway through our number one here on the monday edition of on the line the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back my name is jacob goins with you inside the auburn plaza bar and lounge studio let's get to the phone lines again 334-321-1390 daniel you're on the line man appreciate you holding on through the break
4: hey thanks for having me um Finally some a little cooler weather today yeah
1: it yeah was. it's it's nice outside man
4: yeah um I wanted to talk about kind of a I don't really know how to describe it it's kind of a phase if you will um in college football right now and mm-hmm. it's really I would like to term it as Josh pate would the Dion Tap. Okay Dion tax on all of college football fans right now. And if you listen, what is that? What's the Dion tax, Coach Prime tax? That is because of Coach Prime's past and career in the pros, all of the sudden you have drive by casual fans who are big NFL fans, but because they love Deion Sanders now they're big college football fans, however, they know nothing about college football. I don't know if you've seen this on social media, but I mean people are coming in left and right, thinking knowing nothing about the playoffs, knowing nothing about conferences, um, you know, I've seen oh Colorado 11 and one going all the way. It's crazy. I mean it's just bogus, people that have no idea what they're talking about covering college football all of a sudden because of Dion, because of Coach Prime. I wanted to know uh, what you think the effect would have been if he would have come to Auburn. Auburn has culture. Colorado really doesn't have any football culture at all, so it was easy for him to implement his. What would that have looked like if Dion would have been coach at Auburn thanks for taking my call
1: yeah appreciate the call Daniel good to hear from you um it's an interesting point um it's an interesting point to to bring that up because look and you know I I know some people disagree with this and that's fine but through what is now three weeks of college football Colorado has still been the biggest story in the sport it has I mean you can't you can't tell me that and you can disagree but that's just how I feel, and if you disagree, look at all of the television shows that were in Colorado this past week, look at all the celebrities that were in Colorado this past week, and look at the viewership numbers from that game on Saturday night. I don't know what those are, I haven't looked it up, but for a game that went till 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning, I'm pretty sure there was a lot of people tuned into that game, and... Again, they are three and zero. They have tripled their wins since last year. Okay, they were a one win football program, and you know Daniel had said that they don't have a uh, football culture. They used to obviously when they were good back in the day, Uh, but they haven't had one in a long time because they've been a bad program. And I do think it was easy for Deion Sanders to step into Colorado and pretty much create his own culture. Um, And I think that we all know that Deion Sanders is very, very outspoken, wears his emotions very, very proudly on his chest. Um, and he came in and and he did. He set the culture that he wanted for that Colorado football program. And he's done great things. Go look at the money that they're bringing into Boulder right now because of him being there. It's it's incredible. So in that regard, yeah, I, you know, it's, it's a huge story to sort of – go against what daniel was saying there a little bit he was talking about people that are now watching colorado or watching college football or covering college football because of the storyline of the buffs i think that's a good thing i think it's a good thing what's happening in colorado because they're bringing more exposure to college football they're bringing more fans to the best sport that there is which is college football and Sure, a lot of them may not know much about it, but they can learn. And that's where somebody like you, the listener, the fan, you have the opportunity to embrace them, right? Take the opportunity to tell them about college football. Tell them about the playoff or the history or whatever. Like, I feel like that's what makes college football really special is the fans. And so... If there are new people coming to cover college this sport or new fans, whether they're fans of Colorado or just the sport in general, that's a good thing. If the sport can grow, I mean, that's that's a great thing. And so Colorado has been great for the sport. I, I just think that. I believe that. And I still think they're going to get humbled, right? They're going to start playing some really good teams. They're going to get humbled and the hype will die down, but... It happens all the time. When a team gets good, a team gets hot, everybody wants to jump on it, and everybody wants to see where the train's going to go. Um, so I think that's been a good thing. But to answer your question, Daniel, you were asking what it would have been like if Dion would have came to Auburn, because we know his name was floating around when uh, Brian Hartson was finally let go and Auburn was in their coaching search. Dion was a possibility. He was being thrown around to possibly be Auburn's next head football coach. I think it would have been different. It would not have been like you're seeing it in Colorado right now. And I think there's a couple of reasons behind that. Auburn has history and tradition, right? Auburn has Auburn didn't go 1 and 11 last year. Now, it wasn't a good year, but Auburn didn't go 1 and 11. Auburn has not been the bottom of their conference for the last 15-20 years. And Auburn is a very historical, tradition-based school, program, town. Anybody around here knows that. And so the way that Dion stepped into Boulder, Colorado and said, okay, this is how it's going to be done. This is how I'm doing it. Either you like it or you get out. And I'm bringing my people. We're going to do it my way. We're going to be loud. We're going to be borderline cocky and we're going to do it how I want to do it I don't think that would have gone over well here I just don't it wouldn't have gone that way and maybe he would have taken a different approach here because yes the the roster needed to be turned over and you had to get new players but Colorado has over 80 new players on their roster do you know how insane that is that's the entire thing they got rid of everybody And brought new players in because that's how low that program had gotten to. Auburn was in a bad spot, but Auburn wasn't that bad. And so, I don't know. I I just don't think it would have gone like you're seeing it right now. Would Auburn be the talk of college football if Deion Sanders was here? No. Auburn would be getting some big coverage because it's Deion and he always finds a way to put himself in front of a camera or microphone. But Auburn would not have hosted College Game Day for week three, right? Auburn wouldn't have all the media covers that Colorado's getting. Auburn wouldn't be a top 25 team right now like Colorado is. So I hope I answered your question, Daniel. I think it would have been different than what you're seeing right now with Dion in Colorado because it would have been a different process because you have to treat this job different than you do other jobs. And I think we've seen that. We've seen what happens when a coach who doesn't truly fit here and tries to ignore that and tries to ignore what Auburn is and tries to ignore the, the traditions and the people in this town and the people around the program and the people at the university. We've seen what happens when a coach comes here and tries to neglect all of that and ignore it and do it his own way. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. And so whether you like that or not about Auburn, that's just a fact. That's just how it is. And so I don't know if it would have worked out with Dion here. I'm going to be really honest. I don't know if it would have worked out. And that's because his, he's just a very vocal, outspoken guy. And that works for some coaches. It works for some programs. I just don't think it would have worked here. I really don't. I uh, just—that's my gut feeling. That's my opinion on it. Um, and again, I don't know if he would have taken the same process here that he's doing in Colorado right now. I don't know, and that—that that question will probably never be answered. But um, it's definitely interesting, and it's a great point, Daniel. I appreciate you calling in. We'd love to hear from other people as well. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. I do want to talk about um, question of the day really quick before. We start talking Auburn and Samford. Um, my question is this, and, and I'd love to hear from, from you on the phones. Who's in trouble after week three of college football? We're three weeks in. You've got teams that are 3-0. You have teams that are 2-1. You've got teams that haven't won a game yet. Who's in trouble after week three of college football? What do you think? Who should be really worried right now after just three weeks of football? And also, who should be feeling good? Who's proud? Who's, who is, who's the favorite right now as a three and0 squad in conferences around college football? I want to hear from you, 13-90. To give you my answers, there's some obvious ones, some teams that should be worried right now. Um, Alabama being one of them, no doubt about it. Alabama should absolutely be worried. Uh, their fans are worried. You can hear it um, and see it everywhere. They should be worried, man, because their quarterback problems are real. Their offensive line problems are legit. Their defense is solid, but it's not great. They've got some issues over there. And for the first time maybe ever under Saban, I don't know if they have the guys to make up for it. I don't know if they have the guys to fix it. So Alabama should definitely be worried. Florida State should be worried too. If they can't get healthy and get some of their starters back, What looked to be after week one, one of the best teams in college football with a win over LSU and Florida State, they almost lost to Boston College over the weekend. So if they can't figure it out, they should be worried. I think some other teams that should maybe have a little concern um, just talking about Colorado. They're not going to be concerned, they're not going to be worried. Um, but they should be. They should be worried about the Oregon Ducks this weekend. Colorado's going to travel to Eugene, take on Bo Nix, who, if you haven't been watching, is still lighting it up in Oregon. Colorado should be ready to be humbled. I'm just, I'm just telling you like it is. You can't worry a whole lot as a 3-0 football team because there's not a lot of teams that can say that right now. But they should be, and they're going to be hit with some reality coming this weekend. I'll tell you another team that should be worried. Auburn. Auburn should be worried. Auburn should be worried because they have a real, real injury problem right now. And I brought this up earlier and this is a great transition. Auburn has an injury problem that if they can't get it figured out and if they can't get out of their own way, a team that's got some serious talent in a year where The SEC is not good for a team that could make some noise in college football. If they can't get healthy and can't stay healthy, Auburn should be really, really concerned. We'll talk about that when we come back as we wrap up hour number one. Give me a call. Love to hear from you on a Monday afternoon, 334-321-1390. We'll start talking Auburn and Sanford as we wrap up hour number one on the other side.
0: On the Line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502.
1: Back to the phone lines here on the Monday edition of On the Line, 334-321-1390. Terry, you're on the line, man. Happy Monday.
5: Good afternoon, Jacob. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing fantastic, Terry. What's on your mind?
5: Great. Yeah, I I can guarantee you this, Jacob. If if Auburn beats Texas A&M Saturday, uh, Jimbo Fisher probably won't be able to stay in the room. It'd be a boiling room.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're right about that. Right. I mean, they they <laughs> I mean they obviously they bounce back this weekend. Who'd they play? Uh, Louisiana Monroe or somebody like that. Um but yeah, I mean if they start out two and two with the losses to Miami and then Auburn, and I say Auburn like that because we just don't know what Auburn's going to be and a team that as I mentioned before going to break Terry a banged up Auburn team at home in Texas A&M and in Aggieland yeah you better believe it man Texas A&M will be all over him if they lose on Saturday
5: well I'm kind of curious what kind of game did the quarterback at A&M have against Miami because that's really the only good team they faced
1: uh, are you talking about you talking about Connor Wegman from Texas A&M?
5: Yeah, right. Connor Wegman,
1: right. Um, stats wise, I don't. I'll pull it up. I don't have it off the top okay. of my head, okay. but I mean his overall stats are great. I mean, I, I talked about it a little bit earlier. He's throwing seventy percent um, for the mm. season. He's got nine touchdowns and two interceptions, I think, um, and thrown for over nine hundred yards. So um, in the Miami game, he threw thirty-one of fifty-three. For three hundred and thirty-six yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions. So both of his picks this season were in that one game against Miami.
5: wow, they 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 throw it around quite a bit, don't they?
1: Yes, they do. They do.
5: Okay. Well, I just I don't know. I just like I said the best team they've played is Miami by far. So we'll see. But they 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 do something like team that throws around a lot. I don't understand. Them. We'll see. I just I just think the team has a team has a tendency to to change things to their coach. I don't. I never. I have never thought very much of Jimbo Fisher at all. So. You know, another thing would surprised me, and I wouldn't be surprised if this is the game where Jimbo Fisher and Bobby Petrino don't have a little a little little, little indica- a little confrontation on the sideline.
1: Yeah, I mean they it very like well could happen. And Terry, you look at um you look at the passing versus rushing totals for Texas A and M so far this year, they've thrown it they've ran two hundred and eighteen total plays, okay? They've done hundred and twenty-seven of those are passing, which is good for fifty-eight percent. And the other is ninety-one plays running the football, so they throw it fifty-eight percent of the time.
5: Wow! Now, as far as Aubrey goes, the thing that concerns me the most is not necessarily the injuries, which is a concern, but the turnovers. Yeah, that's got to has got to stop. Yes. Now, the injuries you can overcome them to a degree, uh, but that those turnovers that's got to stop. They can't turn the ball over like that against Texas a and There's no chance of them winning that game at all. So. Um, over but no, the, 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 like I said, Andrew, I, know you're, I know you're going to talk, with us, talk about this after the top of the hour. But I know Peyton Thorne had a great game, put up huge numbers against Sanford. But I that kind of like being the valedictorian of summer school.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I think it I, it was good for me to see Peyton Thorne have a good game. And yes, I am going to talk about it when we start the second hour. Um, but uh, the turnovers, you're 100 percent right. Turnovers have to stop and. I think Peyton Thorne played a really good football game. He played the best game he's had so far at Auburn.
5: I mean, by the way, and I haven't heard this mentioned on any show, where in the world on was Sean Jackson... That's a five nine two 230-pound running back when we were first to go on the one.
1: That's a great question, Terry. That's a really, really care, good Jake. question. Appreciate the call, Terry. <laughs> that is Terry joining us on the phone lines. Got a couple of minutes before we get into hour number two, and I am going to talk a lot about Auburn-Sanford. Haven't had a chance to do it yet. We've had some great calls today, uh, and I appreciate you all calling in, uh, and I will be talking Auburn-Sanford. But um, to, to kind of start that conversation before the, the top of the hour, Hugh Fries mentioned today, somebody asked him about that, um, the offensive game plan when Auburn had the ball on the one-yard line and they threw it three straight times, got a penalty, and then you know what happens from there. Um, Freeze said he did not like that. He said he didn't agree with that, and he has made it clear that that is not what they're going to do. And so does that sound familiar? Yeah, it does. It sounds familiar because that's what he said after the Cal after the California game where Auburn was fl- switching quarterbacks in and out almost every play. And he said I didn't like that. He said that's not how we're going to do this. And so I think it's very apparent so far from what we've seen and from what we've heard Hugh Freeze talk about. Philip Montgomery is running the offense. He is calling plays. He is making the decisions. But Hugh Freeze is not afraid and not worried, and he is willing to step in and say, Hey, I don't like how we're doing that. We need to change that up. He did it with the quarterbacks, and you could obviously see it because Peyton Thorne was in and he was the starter on Saturday, and he played basically the entire game until the very end when the game was out of question. He stepped in and made that made that call, made that decision, and it changed. And he spoke today about the questionable play calling inside the red zone on the one-yard line where Auburn was clearly trying to throw for a touchdown. And he said today, he said, I don't hate the, the first call. And I didn't either, to be honest with you. Sitting in the box at, at Jordan-Hare Stadium, I didn't hate the first passing call. The first fade route to the corner to try to get a touchdown, I don't hate that. And you can make an argument for the second one, I guess. But you can't do it three times in a row and then get a penalty and take yourself out of position to score. And I don't care that it is Sanford. When you are on the one-yard line and you throw it on first down and it's incomplete, run the ball. Get the score. Punch it in. I know you're trying to work on things and I know you're trying to get some more confidence under Peyton Thorne and get better in the passing game and figure out who your go-to receivers are in the end zone. I get that. And I get that it's Sanford. But guess what? you still got to score to win the ball game, And that's where we were all, all... Everybody in the press box was like, why are they not running the ball? Give it to literally anybody. Punch it in and score. And move on to the next play. Move on to the next possession. So we'll talk some more about that because it was... It was questionable, for sure. And Hugh Free said today he didn't like it. And guess what? I bet it changes. I bet you don't see that a whole lot again. We'll see this weekend against Texas A&M. But when we come back, my full breakdown of Auburn versus Sanford, what I liked, what I didn't like. We'll talk about the injuries. Um, we'll talk about what Auburn's got to do moving forward if they want to get a win on the road at Texas A&M. Give me a call. I want to hear your thoughts as well. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Stay tuned. Hour number two coming up. Happy Monday, everybody. Hope you're doing well as we get underway in our number two here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins with you inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio. A reminder that the Plaza Bar and Lounge is your Tiger pregame destination for all fans on Saturdays during the fall. Home of the original Warburger, the Plaza Bar offers an easy and exciting menu to go along with fantastic drink specials. Enjoy the kid and dog friendly Plaza patio uh, while keeping up with all the other football action leading up to kickoff in Jordan-Hare Stadium. Located at 800 Main Street in Midtown off of Opelika Road, the Plaza Bar uh, and Lounge offers happy hour from 4 to 6 every single weekday. Don't forget about that Sunday brunch before you leave town, Tiger fans. The Plaza Bar and Lounge, your pregame stop in Auburn. So be sure you go check them out. We appreciate them uh, being our studio sponsor here uh, from 2 to 4 on ESPN 106.7. If you missed any of our number one, be sure to go and catch up with the podcast later on today uh, you can find it one of two ways ESPNAU.com or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast also at ESPNAU.com is our SEC football challenge Um, I'll be honest I got kind of banged up this week in my picks I put my I put Too much stock into a couple of teams and uh, didn't do so hot. I'm only a couple behind, but I definitely took a hit this week. But our winner uh, this week... Is Daryl Rada? So, congratulations to Daryl. He is the winner uh, for this week. Um, he uh, has won a twenty-five-dollar vintage twenty-two ninety-eight butcher shop gift card. Um, so, uh, congratulations to him again, Daryl. Uh, Daryl Rada here, uh, winner of our SEC football challenge in week three. Again, you can you can submit your picks every single week. There's a weekly winner um, of uh, a prize from one of our four lovely sponsors and then at the end of the year whoever has the best score you're going to win all of the weekly prizes plus a 55 inch flat screen smart TV so be sure that you are entering each and every week at ESPNAU.com next week so this week's prize is a Johnny Brusco's gift card so be sure uh, that you are entering for that that's our SEC football challenge at ESPNAU.com big shout out to our sponsors Johnny Brusco's the orthopedic clinic uh, 2290 Butcher shop and tzatziki's. So, uh, thank you to all of our wonderful sponsors there as well. But here in hour number two, gonna talk Auburn and Sanford, take a deep dive into uh, what we saw. On Saturday uh, from Auburn over in Jordan Hare Stadium. Talk about the good, talk about the bad, talk about the really bad, um, and talk about all of that and get you caught up on that. Plus, Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network will join me coming up in about 30 minutes or so. Uh, we'll talk to him, get his thoughts on it as well. But until then, phone lines continue to be open. Had great calls in the first hour. Would love to hear from you in the second hour. 334 1390. That number again, 334 1390 your thoughts on college football from week three Uh, your thoughts on Auburn Sanford from Saturday I want to get your thoughts on that Auburn opening up as a six-point underdog this weekend against Texas A&M so what are your thoughts on all that 334-321-1390 well Auburn got the win on Saturday against Sanford 45 to 13 this game was tied at zero after the first quarter, it was 17, nothing Auburn at the half. Uh, then both teams kind of went at it in that third quarter. Sanford put on all 13 of their points in that third quarter. Auburn put on 14, and then Auburn tacked on 14 more points in the fourth quarter to get your final score of 45 to 13. When you look at the look at the stats, Peyton Thorne had his best day in an Auburn uniform. Uh, He went 24 of 32 for 282 yards, averaged over eight yards a a throw, almost nine, uh, with one touchdown, and he did have two interceptions. He also had 11 carries for 123 yards and two touchdowns. And I'm not sure if you heard this, but Peyton Thorne was 18 yards away in the air of doing something that no Auburn quarterback has ever done. No Auburn quarterback has ever thrown for 300 yards and rushed for 100 yards in a game. Kind of hard to believe, right? He was 18 yards away from that. Hugh Freeze didn't know it because we asked him about it in the post-game presser, and he said he would have left him in there and let him throw it a few more times to try to get that record. But overall, Peyton Thorne played a good game. And I know people have been flipping out and people have been worried about the offense and how it was Slow getting started in this football game yet again. Um, there were some decisions, especially in the red zone, that just can't happen. They were questionable play calls. Um, there were some miscues on offense. There were some penalties on offense. And then, of course, the turnovers is something that has gotten Auburn into some trouble here in the past couple of weeks. Two turnovers. From Peyton Thorne, both interceptions. One of them should not have happened. It hit, it hit the Auburn guy. It hit him. It hit the receiver. He just, it bounced off of him, and it was a deflected interception. The other one, that's a bad decision by Peyton Thorne. It was. It was a bad decision. It was a bad throw. He had two guys wide open that he didn't see, one underneath on the seam route, and another guy going towards the right sideline. He didn't see him. Instead, he stepped up and launched it into the end zone, into double coverage. And they got intercepted. That's a bad decision. It's a bad play. Hugh Freeze said so today, and I think Peyton Thorne knows that. But what has Hugh Freeze been saying about Peyton Thorne so far this season? He said, yeah, he's played pretty well, but there's three or four mistakes that he made. There's three or four things that he didn't do right that we got to fix. He only had one of those on Saturday. And that's what Hugh Freeze said Saturday night, and that's what he said again today. So Peyton Thorne had one bad play, one bad throw. Other than that, Peyton Thorne played a really good football game. Auburn put up 45 points. They threw the ball all over the yard. You could, I mean, You could definitely tell what Auburn's plan was going into the football game. They threw the ball a lot. They threw it 17 times against California in four quarters. The entire game they threw it 17 times. On Saturday against Sanford, Auburn threw it 25 times just in the first half. They threw it a total of 36 for the football game. Peyton Thorne threw it 32 times. They wanted to throw it. They wanted to get him comfortable. And I think they did that for a few reasons. I think they were trying to get him comfortable. And they're still trying to figure out who's going to catch the football. They're still trying to figure out who their go-to receivers are. Auburn still doesn't know. They still don't know. Jay Fair's good. Javarius Johnson's good. Rivaldo Fairweather is good. But you got to have more. You got to have more than that. And so Auburn wanted to establish the passing game on Saturday and get some get some confidence, get some reps, try some things out. And I think Auburn did that really well. How many guys caught balls? Let's see. I'm going to count them. One, two. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10 different guys caught a football on Saturday. That's good. That's really good. And that's what Auburn wanted to do. That includes guys like Shane Hooks, Omari Kelly, Mike Riley Ducker got his first touchdown as an Auburn Tiger. You saw guys get into the game that haven't been super active. And that's a good thing. So Auburn wanted to throw the ball on Saturday, and they did just that. Here's where I get a little concerned with the offense. The running game is not what it needs to be. It's not. It's not what it needs to be. I know Peyton Thorne did well, and that's good, right? That's great. And I loved seeing Peyton Thorne take off and run with the football. When either the pocket collapsed or nobody was open or there was a hole, he had the instinct and he had the know the and the confidence, what seemed to be the first time since he's been here, to tuck the ball and run. He got down, didn't get hurt, and he had a good day on the ground. He carried it 11 times for 123 yards of two touchdowns, including the long touchdown. So I think for Peyton Thorne, that's great news. Other than that, though, the running game was not all that great. I mean, it was, it was almost non nonexistent. Um, Jarquez Hunter looked shaky. Damari Austin was okay. I mean, Hunter had his first touchdown of the year. You had Brian Batee, and you had Jeremiah Cobb, who was so electric. Jeremiah Cobb is so electric. But the running game was not what it needs to be. It's not what we thought it was going to be by any means. Um, it, it's not what we thought it was going to be at all but then you go and look at the stats and they ran for 222 yards that's pretty good and there was really good balance Auburn threw it 36 times and they ran it 43 times so I don't know you tell me what you think about it let's get to the phone lines 334-321-1390 and Shane you're on the line what's up man
6: hey man how you doing
1: doing good man what's on your mind
6: I just wanted to comment on your stuff. Um I, I still don't think that we we have been showing anything of what we have going forward. Mm-hmm. I think I think if we have if we have concerns after this next weekend's game, then then those should be valid because you can you got to throw throw out everything now. You gotta you gotta go, open the whole playbook up. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that we have we've have needed to. I mean, I'm sure Hugh Freeze knew you know he needed to do certain things. He didn't want to show uh, fair weather, but but you know. That he did, so he played them more this weekend. I, I you know, down the end zone, they knew what they were going to score, so they were trying to do some passing just to get used to it. For because you can't always run it if you just if you get down there and into either the three yard line SEC defenses are going to bow up, and so you might have to throw it. Mm-hmm. So I just think I don't I don't think there's anything to worry about. I think that that, that was all by design, um, just to get some reps on doing some of those things.
1: Yeah, and yeah, and you know, and Freeze commented on the, you know, on the the red zone possession where Auburn threw it and then they got the penalty and, and kind of, you know, shot themselves in the foot. He said the first throw and play, he agreed with. And I do too. I agreed with the throw and call. Um but and I get and I said this too, you know, I get working on it and trying to establish it and figure out who you can go to down there because in the SEC, like you mentioned Shane, you're going to have you're going to have times where yeah, you have to throw the football, but eventually if it doesn't work time after time, you just kind of run it and get the point. So that was just a little frustration, I think, from Auburn fans there to not see, you know, use the run game and score there. But I do understand trying to figure some things out and figure out who your go-to guy is down there.
6: Yeah, and, and you know, if, if some of those passes had worked, then we wouldn't have said anything about it. But, uh, you know, we would have been like, oh, that was, that was a great idea. Instead of running it, you know, the we worked on this. and it. So, you know, if it had worked out, I don't think anybody will be saying anything, but, but, you know, we have probably, we we haven't been in those situations yet. If Mm -hmm. you look back, all of our touchdowns aren't from right there, passing from right there. They're, they're running, you know, either rushing or they're further away scoring, you know, scoring the touchdown. So I think that's brand new, you know, a brand new situation that they wanted to see what would happen in the future. And, uh, I mean, I I don't don't have a problem with it. I knew, you know, you know, you're going to score, you know, you're going to. These 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 no offense to Sanford, but you know, these little teams they're not posing big threats, so you can kinda of play around a little bit and, and I think that's what it was and I, I have no problem with it.
1: Yeah, and you know, to your comment too about you know Auburn not showing a whole lot, they obviously haven't shown a ton. They haven't you know, Cal they had to bust out some things they probably didn't want to, but um exactly. you know, against Sanford, no, you're not gonna show a whole lot. But if you remember I was talking last week about how I didn't necessarily want Auburn to bust open the playbook, but I did want them to throw it around and do some things they haven't done. And Shane, I think well, they, they did it. that.
6: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They threw it around a bunch. Of, but I was happy I was happy to see it more pass heavy this time because I think yeah, we didn't get into a rhythm running, but we know what we kind of have with the with the running backs and we don't know what we have with receivers or or our quarterback play. So mm-hmm. that's what we needed and, you know, work with and I'm I'm kinda glad that we went that route and it was more pass happy than than we've seen so far this year. I I hope I hope it gets even more. I hope we just unleash a fury against you know A and M and and um maybe this is all a ruse. We were all just we were all just, you know Yeah waiting, waiting to see and and hopefully Texas A and M we see a lot more than um than what we've seen so far.
1: Yeah, yeah anyway, I think so very cool, man. Yeah, appreciate the call, Shane. Good to hear from you. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Um, you know, and that's the thing. With with the game against Sanford, like I mentioned, no. I did not want Auburn to just open up the playbook and and show everything in their cards and and just, you know, throw everything but the kitchen sink at the Sanford Bulldogs. But I did want them to throw I did want them to get Peyton Thorne comfortable and Auburn is still trying to figure out who their go-to receivers are but here's the problem with that possession right there at the one yard line you go incomplete pass incomplete pass false start interception that's the issue that was I think is what got Auburn fans sort of upset and like okay just run the ball and score right just run it in get the points and move on because it was Samford. And you feel pretty confident that if you line up man for man and run the football that you're going to get the touchdown. Now, I think Shane's point is 100% accurate. In the SEC, you can't always just line it up and run it straight at them because they've got big guys too. And so I understand Auburn's game plan, but at times you just got to line up and take your points. And I think that's where the frustration came from there. But overall, I think the offensive game plan was exactly what I wanted it to be. I saw exactly what I wanted. Peyton Thorne had a really good day. And I know it's, it's easy for us to say, well, take away the interceptions, and he played outstanding. Well, take away the interceptions and just add 10 points. Instead of two interceptions, because they were both in the end zone, both interceptions were in the end zone, take those interceptions away. Let's say you score a touchdown from one, from one possession and a field goal on the other. I mean, Auburn would have 55 points. Peyton Thorne would have had another touchdown and you'd be we'd all be feeling extremely good about Peyton Thorne so I think he played a really good game I think he looked like the quarterback Auburn needs for their starter um, I think he looked like a guy that's ready to start playing SEC football and that's exciting because guess what you're playing SEC football this week so um, I, was, I was excited there the run game got to get better and then the injuries man we're going to talk about the injuries when we come back we're also going to get to the phone lines when we come back as well give me a call i want to hear from you on this monday afternoon overreaction monday if you will here on on the line on espn 106.7 we'll be right back here and we'll get to the phone lines talk some more auburn football here on espn 106.7
0: you are on the line on espn 106.7 online at espnau.com or on the espn 106.7 app
1: Let's get back to the phone lines here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Been busy on the phones. I love it oh, you here on a Monday afternoon. 334 321 1390. And Anthony, you're on the line, man. What's up? I think it's on the other one. Oh, my God. There we go. How are you, Anthony? 96. open the and I just feel
2: that they give. Um the new coach three years instead of two like they've been giving everybody else since um, they got rid about it. Mm -hmm. I feel, you know, I'll be the team that they, you know, know they can be anyway, top 10 or whatever.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you're saying you're just saying give the coach a little time, huh? Yeah, I think, look, I think you're I think you're on. I mean, with, I've said this for for so long. I, I think with any coach, you've got to give him some time, right? I mean, you got to give a coach some time and, and let him get his players in there and implement his his strategy and his game plan. And if you do that, I think you, I mean, you're you're better off giving a coach time rather than cycling through coaches every two years.
6: There you go. Thank
4: you, man. There you go. <laughs> you have
6: a great
1: yeah. You too, man. Good to hear from you, Anthony. Appreciate the call. Three three four. 3 2, 1, 13, 90. No, I think he's absolutely right. Um, I think with, with giving a coach some time, you have a better chance to be successful rather than, oh, let's hire this coach. Let's pay him, you know, umpteenth million dollars. And, oh, two years is up. Oh, he only went six and six. Fire. Get out of here. And then we got to go do it again. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I've never understood that. I've never, um, I've just, give a coach some time. Three or four years, and he's still not winning? Yeah, sure. Then you can get rid of him. But expecting a coach to come in in one or two years, especially in this conference, especially in the SEC, and ask him to be successful right away, even with the transfer portal, I don't even care. Even with the transfer portal, it's a really difficult task. Now, has it gotten a little bit easier because of the transfer portal? Sure. Look at what coaches like Deion Sanders are doing at Colorado but still you're asking coaches to come in and build a team that is probably not very good you're asking them to come in and compete with the likes of Alabama of the old Georgia of the now LSU of what could be right you're asking them to do that with such high expectations and I know there's a lot of money riding on it believe me I get that there's a ton of money riding on it and there's a lot of expectations and fans want to win now and teams want to win now I get it I absolutely get it but you just got to give somebody some time man I I just I feel that way always have and I always will let's get back to the phones 334-321-1390 and Andy you're on the line man what's up hey how you doing doing good man yep what's on your mind um
3: so I signed up for the uh, ESPN AU.
1: Yeah. And um,
3: how would you get last week wrong? I mean, how would you go so bad? They're pretty obvious, uh, other than like one or two. What What were your picks?
1: <laughs> um, I so I picked Missouri. Or I picked Kansas State to beat Missouri. That didn't happen. Yeah, that's good. That's um, good. I picked Tennessee to beat Florida. That didn't happen. That's good. Um, I. I stuck with my guts. I stuck with what I've been saying. I took Vanderbilt to beat UNLV. They disappointed me. Um, Vandy was Vandy, and they lost on the road thirty or 40-37 to 37 to UNLV. So uh, I'll take that one on the chin. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Um, lost that one, and then I picked Arkansas to beat BYU. And BYU went to Fayetteville and beat them 38-31. I got gotcha.
3: you. So, um, yeah, I, last week was hard. Again, I tried to call Friday, but you got so many good people on.
1: Um
3: the only thing I liked was the Bills, um, and I really try to stay away from uh, NFL, but uh, Florida State got me, um, and Tennessee definitely got me. Yeah, uh, yeah. I like LSU, but I'm no mm-hmm. genius because that's – one out of
1: three so. yeah and you know Mississippi State I was expecting them to play better I was expecting I said they were going to cover plus nine and a half and boy they did yeah. not get anywhere close LSU did exactly what they were supposed to do as an SEC road team go in there dominate the football game and never look back
3: right um so you know Auburn was concerning uh the way they started the score wasn't jumping up but you know Texas struggled I mean everyone you know these people that call in these stations—they all seem to hit a panic buttons so quick, and I mm. get it. But they—I don't know if they're not aware of the other teams that are better than us that had the same situation, if not even you know worse.
1: Yeah, no, um, I think I think you're I think you're spot on, and you know what, Andy? There's there's a thing that Auburn can say that not a ton of teams can—they're three and zero.
3: Right. Right. I think I think that's about to change. Unfortunately, though, but uh, oh,
1: you're taking A and M this weekend?
3: <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. I just I don't got the best feeling in the world. I do like it's 11:30. Um, you know, I, the thing about last year, like I said, I was in the tunnel for the Auburn Texas A M game, and just Cadillac had them so fired up. I just don't hear anything about Cadillac right now. Oh, my gosh. Oh. Oh, okay. But anyways, Loital man. Um, i just it's, i'm more worried about the next two games but we'll
1: see yeah i understand yep appreciate the call andy great to hear from you as always um and yeah give me a call on friday i'd love to see if your if your mind changes uh between now and then yeah when it you know haven't started talking a lot about this a&m game yet we got time to do it throughout the week but um i think auburn again i i, I talked about my question of the day today is who should be worried after three weeks of football in college? Who should be worried um, and who should feel really good about themselves? College football has been weird this season, man. And especially the SEC. The SEC is bad. I mean, I, I think that's just the take that I'm going to have. Is The SEC is bad until they prove me otherwise. And I say that because of just look at the games. Look at the picks. Missouri got a great win, by the way. Shout out to them. Missouri got a huge win against Kansas State. That's a top 15 team they just beat this weekend. But Arkansas letting BYU come to Fayetteville and beat you by a touchdown? We can't take Vanderbilt and let them represent the SEC. We won't count that. But overall, the conference doesn't look all that great. And yet Auburn is 3-0. and There are teams in the conference that can't say that. There are teams in the state that can't say that. So just pump the brakes a little bit. But it's time to start looking ahead because you've got Texas A&M this weekend, and the competition's about to take a big step up. When we come back, we'll talk to Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network, get his thoughts on the Auburn game from Saturday and see if he's hitting the panic button so far on the Tigers.
0: On the Line with Jacob Goins on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader.
1: We've got 30 more minutes here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing. up Jacob Goins with you inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio. And we have Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network on the phone lines who calls in every single Monday at 3.30 to talk about some Auburn football. Hillman, happy Monday, man. Hope you're doing well.
7: Man, it was a good homecoming weekend. Uh, great weather as well after the rain on Friday. So, uh, yeah, it was a, like I said, it was a happy homecoming and happy to get this new week started. Get ready
1: for SEC play. Well, Auburn is three and zero thanks to their forty-five to thirteen victory over Sanford for Homecoming weekend. Uh, Hillman, before we talk about the game, um, just Homecoming weekend in itself—it's uh, always a special time. I talked with uh, Brad on on Thursday, and he talked about and had a really good, a really good statement just talking about Homecoming itself and all the festivities and the parade and the court um, and everybody coming back to town. And so, uh, what was your experience like this weekend for Homecoming here at Auburn?
7: No, yeah, you, you really can't beat it. it. It really is a special time because, uh, you know, I mentioned it last week, sometimes it, it's the one game a year that a uh, family or, or a group of people will come down to Auburn. It's it's their uh, reunion here on the Plains, and and, and that's always so special whenever uh, a group of friends or, or a family gets together uh, on Auburn's campus for the one time a year or, what, or however many times it may be, uh, whether it's their first or or 20th time back. Uh, it's still special for them. So, um, yeah, same for me. Always seeing some of my friends come back down, and uh, especially now that we've recently graduated, it, it, it's it's fun to see those guys come back down or whoever it is, uh, and get to visit with them.
1: Auburn defeats Sanford 45 to 13 in the homecoming game. Uh, Hillman, just your takeaways from uh, the the victory on Saturday. I know fans are some fans are not overly thrilled with the offensive performance, but I mean the numbers away from the interceptions look good for Peyton Thorne. Uh, the running numbers look better than I think it looked on the field. But just your your takeaways from Auburn's victory on Saturday.
7: Yeah, it was a slow start, and I think that first quarter uh, was almost like a hangover from uh, that Cal game the previous week. It it looked very similar where uh, it it was tough to get things going on offense. But after that, then things started to really uh, groove together for this this Auburn team, this Auburn offense especially. And I thought Peyton Thorne looked really, really impressive after uh, – other than the two interceptions and and one I don't think was necessarily all of his fault, but it's still – one of those things where he just looked so much better after those two interceptions and and he really looked uh comfortable out there and you know maybe it has to do with him running the ball and I don't know if that's the case but he was obviously and is Auburn's leading rusher uh this year and that that could be something that really helps get him comfortable and get going uh not a lot of negative plays obviously he didn't get sacked much which is a positive Mm -hmm. and I, I I just think that uh He's really finding, I don't know, if maybe it's the way he's going to be most successful in this offense, but uh, again, he just looks more comfortable after that second half on Saturday, and and, and it's nice to see uh, a better flow on the offense, uh, like I said, in that second half.
1: And when it comes to when it comes to the running game, Jacob, I mean the again the numbers the numbers look good. I mean Auburn ran for a good amount of, what is it two hundred and twenty two total mm-hmm. yards. Um, but and Jarquez got his first touchdown on the season, and Robbie Ashford came in late and got himself a touchdown as well. But I don't know, it just seemed like it didn't look overly impressive, but yet the numbers would say otherwise.
7: It's interesting. I mean you average five point two yards per carry. You, you take that every day of the week and. I think that uh, the offensive line also had, you know, there are a few injuries. Too tall Miller went down. Cam Stutz banged up a little bit. So, you know, you had some some shuffling on the offensive line. It wasn't the same offensive line that you uh, had been playing with the last two weeks, and, and, and that's part of it, getting healthy there, uh, as well as them continuing to gel together because, again, they've only practiced together uh, for a summer now, and I think that that's coming along, but uh, sometimes the injuries make it a little more difficult. And, you know, if they get healthy, then, then there's no concerns there. But, you know, obviously that's not something you can you bank on. And I think that this offensive line is still coming along as far as uh, gelling. I think Jarquez Hunter still uh, is a little rusty, and he, he's finding his way. I think it was good that he led uh, the running back room in rushing attempts uh, so that he could really uh, figure things out. And then, obviously, uh, Damari Bryan and, and Jeremiah have, have been impressive so far uh, in, in small flashes. So I'm going to be interested to see uh, what happens when Auburn really does unleash the running game and 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 how that looks. Because I think with those four bags that I just mentioned, you you've got you've got a lot you can do. Uh, whether it's whether it's power, it's speed, it's it, it's west west to east or or whatnot. It, it's it's easy to uh, to look at and say oh, you got four guys. How can you use them? But Uh, a little bit more difficult to execute and figure out, all right, how do we split these carries and and how do you want to use each and every back?
1: Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network joining us here on the Monday edition of On the Line. He joins us every Monday at 3.30. Defensively, Hillman, um, Caleb Wooden led let all, all defensive players with six total tackles. Um, we know that there are uh, some issues defensively with injuries. Um, the news coming out today about Keontae Scott, who uh, is getting surgery today, and so he's out for the foreseeable future. And, of course, we wish him uh, all the best as we talk to him every week. We'll be uh, adjusting on that. But um, defensively, I think Auburn played – played well and you can see the speed and the really the football IQ on the defensive side of the football.
7: Yeah, for sure. And I, I think what you mentioned, Keontae Scott going down, that, that that's going to be one of the more impactful injuries uh, to this defense. And because we've seen Nehemiah Pressure hasn't played this year, but Kane Lee has stepped up and played fantastic uh, in that role. And uh, whenever you get pressure back, then you've just got that depth with experience as well. So uh, looking forward to getting him back. But uh, as far as that spot, once you get Kaufman back, then you're sitting here thinking, all right, wait, what other guys can fill in? Caleb Wooden looks really good on Saturday. Uh, you you still got uh, a Zion Puckett back there that can play in that spot. So he's a bigger physical guy. And then I think you look at uh, guys on the defensive front like Keldrick Falk, who, who uh, he, he showed some flashes as well this past weekend and somewhat limited action, but he, he still is up there at the top of the Uh, stat sheet and tackles so I think you're seeing guys start to step up and realize especially uh, as guys some go down and and get injured that all right this is my time to shine and and they take advantage of it so obviously the last three weeks uh, you've gotten away with wins and I shouldn't say getting away with wins but uh, you you fight out a big win in Cal and then last week uh, you get off to a slow start but again the defense looked really solid all four quarters and now you got to go into SEC play. So now that that now that the preseason's past, you you get into the SEC play, and uh, you're really going to see who uh, is going to get real playing time and, and really step it up.
1: Well, speaking of SEC play, before we talk about Auburn at Texas A&M, man, what's going on in the Southeastern Conference? I mean, you got BYU beating Arkansas, <laughs> and you've got Alabama who is about to play a, a, a fan at wide or at, at quarterback. I mean, what's going on in this conference, Hillman?
7: Man, it, it's interesting, and, and obviously I haven't been able to watch a ton of it uh, over the weekend. Whenever I'm as I'm working, but it's still whenever I'm just keeping an eye on it. Like some, you know, some of your best wins are in the SEC out of conference, or Missouri over Kansas State, hitting that 61-yard field goal. Auburn over Cal is one of the biggest non-conference wins, and and that that's a little different from what the SEC's experienced over the past decade or so, at least. And I, you know. I don't know if it's necessarily if the SEC is down or, or anything like that, but I just think that maybe in this transfer portal era, it's just easier for teams to kind of be on par with each, each other. And and maybe that's the case. Maybe it's not. It might be a misread by me, but I, I just think that more and more teams are starting to find uh, equal footing with, with each other. And, and I think that's, that's a positive for college football. I think it's better to have uh, – uh, 126 or however many FBS teams are that are that look equal in talent, and then you're hard to have you know the three or four that we've kind of seen in the past decade that just kind of dominate. So yeah, it's exciting. I, I I like parody in college football, and, and that's what we're going to get. Hey, who knows? Maybe we'll get a 2007-like season <laughs> once we get into October and November. But uh, yeah, the SEC is definitely taking a different look than it has in the past.
1: Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network with us on the phone lines. When you look at Texas A&M, Auburn making their second road trip of the year, opening up SEC play on the road, 11 a.m. at Kyle Field there at College Station. Auburn opened up as a six-point underdog. That line has since moved to eight in the last 24 hours. Um, what is your breakdown of this Texas A&M team? They're two and one. Of course, they had the uh, the the weird loss to Miami, where I think they were the better team, but man, they didn't play like it. But they bounced back this weekend. What's your takeaways in your your breakdown of this Texas A&M squad?
7: Right. Yeah. And that and that Miami game is one that. When I watched, it was, it, it was just interesting to see how that game kind of progressed. I, I agree that I think Texas A&M might have been the better team in that game, and I don't think that's necessarily the most fair thing to say to Miami because I think Miami's a solid team as well. But, you know, Miami found these explosive plays just here and there. I mean, Tyler Van Dyke going for five touchdowns at 374 yards, that's, that, that's not a good look for the Texas A&M defense, but I don't know if that, that's necessarily uh, too indicative of them. Uh, Connor Wegman, obviously, in that game also had 300-plus yards. He had two touchdowns and two interceptions. I think the, the turnovers really hurt them. So looking at it from that standpoint, Auburn's intercepted a lot of passes this year. I think that's something that Auburn has to do this weekend to win is is force some turnovers and really get the crowd out of the early, obviously, it's 11 a.m. game. So hopefully it's not some crazy atmosphere that you would expect at night, uh, but it still will be because, obviously, Texas A&M is one of the best atmospheres in the country and I think that uh, getting a turnover in that first half can really help you do that, and and, and especially if you score early on as well. I don't know if this game is going to be like that Miami game where you're in the 30s or 40s, because I kind of thought the Cal game uh, for Auburn was going to be like that, and obviously we saw what that turned into. So uh, it's going to be really interesting to see uh, what kind of game plan both teams scheme up.
1: Well, you mentioned turnovers for the Auburn defense. They got a couple of more interceptions this past Saturday. Texas A&M throws the football 58 percent of the time, yeah. so that defense, the 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 secondary is going to have their opportunities to to get some turnovers and ho- hopefully help out the offense a little bit.
7: Yeah, again, and you know we mentioned Kane Lee how he stepped up and filled yeah. in for me and I, Pritchett. If you get Pritchett back, then you've got a really studly uh, defensive backfield minus Keontae Scott. Uh, who obviously won't? He'll be out for a little while, and and I just think that the the experience what we thought coming into the season has really helped this defensive backfield uh, just excel, and and I, I think they're going to continue to do so. I, if they, I think they have six interceptions now this year, and that matches last year's total, which which is absolutely insane. Through three That's games. crazy. So it, it, it it's it's a big big step up uh, for this defensive backfield, and and again, like you said, Texas A and M throwing the ball fifty eight percent of the time. This is going to be a major test for them and obviously an SEC play you want to get off on the right foot
1: all the round for Auburn to go on the road become 4-0 and and 1-0 and in the SEC what do they have to do to get a win on Saturday morning and early afternoon there in College Station
7: yeah I'll start with what we were just talking about I, I think you got to force probably two terms win the turnover battle that's the most important thing we saw what happened in Cal when Auburn fumbled the ball four times and, and you can't do that so uh, I, I thought Auburn, other than the two interceptions by Peyton Thorne on Saturday, uh, did a pretty good job at, at, at being smart with the football. So if that continues uh, into Saturday and Auburn's able to, to match any turnover that the offense commits, then, then you're in a good position. And I think the running game, again, we, we mentioned that early on. If that gets going, then I think that opens up the passing game a little bit more. And we've seen some dynamic passing ability. Uh, from Peyton Thorne as well as these receivers so uh, I think that running game will just really take it to the next level.
1: Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network a good friend of mine and uh, a great representation of the Auburn Sports Network joins us every Monday at 3 30. Hillman tell everybody what's coming up this week I know uh, you'll have Tiger Talk on Thursday and then you guys will be traveling out to Texas for Auburn and Texas A&M.
0: Yeah, Tiger
7: Talk will be right here, or not right here. I, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm eventually going to get this right. We'll be on Wings 94.3 FM on uh, Thursday at 6 o'clock Central. Uh, Hugh Freeze will obviously be on, and I think they'll try to talk to Coach Crouch as well about that ranked volleyball team that's playing a tough Florida squad on Friday night yep. uh, in Neville Arena, number three in the country uh, Florida's ranked. So uh, come out to Neville Arena on Friday night uh, to support Auburn volleyball, and then Thursday and Sunday, Auburn soccer, uh, opens up the home SEC stretch against Missouri, and that's on Thursday at 6.30 Central at the Auburn Soccer Complex.
1: Well, you guys have got a lot going on. Auburn Athletics are in full swing in the fall. Uh, Hillman, are they taking you out to Texas? Do you get to make that trip?
7: No, this 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 week I will be hanging out at home, and, I, and I'll be nice and relaxed while watching uh, uh, Auburn take on Texas A&M.
1: Well, there you go. Hey, it's always nice to get a weekend off every now and then. But look, you guys do a fantastic job. And as he mentioned, uh, Tiger Talk on Thursday over on Wings 94.3 and then the Auburn football broadcast uh, getting going early on Saturday. We'll have our game day show starting at 7. You guys come on at 8 a.m. So uh, you guys do a wonderful job. That'll be Saturday over on Wings 94.3. Hillman, as always, brother, appreciate your time. Let everybody know where they can find you and find the Auburn Sports Network as well.
7: Yeah, follow me on Twitter at AU, and follow the Auburn Sports Network at AU Sports Network. We'll have all of your broadcast details for this upcoming weekend posted right there.
1: Awesome, man. I'll talk to you next week, all right?
7: Thank you, Jacob. Or Eagle.
1: That's Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network who joins me every Monday at 3.30 during On the Line. We'll take our final break, come back, and wrap it up before Bill and Dan take over for The Drive. Coming up on ESPN
0: 106.7. You are on the line.
1: Wrapping up the Monday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7. Big thank you to uh, Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. He joins me every Monday at 3.30 talking uh, all the events from over the weekend in Auburn Athletics, plus what's coming up in Auburn Athletics as well. Um, Football, obviously is uh, in off and running uh, soccer, volleyball, all that good stuff. So uh, be sure you check him out and check out the Auburn Sports Network as well. Um, And as he mentioned, and, and as we always plug here on the show, Uh, the fact that uh, Tiger Talk you can find that every Thursday now over on Wings 94.3 and WingsFM.com 6-7 to on Thursdays and then uh, yeah this Saturday our coverage on Wings for Auburn football. It's going to start early. Our game day on Wings 94.3 show with Uncle T-Bone and Jumpin' Jack Hutton. Uh, Those guys will be going at 7am on Saturday. I don't know if they've realized that yet but they will. I'll make sure to let them know. They're going live at 7am this Saturday over on Wings 94.3. That feeds into the tiger tailgate show the countdown to kickoff and then kickoff of albert football at 11 a.m on the road at texas a&m so you can find all of that over on wings 94.3 this weekend um been a great show today it's been awesome mondays are a lot of fun around here uh recapping uh the weekend in college football we have so much more to talk about it's crazy so be sure you come back tomorrow okay we got a couple more minutes here today but be sure you're back here tomorrow Uh, we'll talk some more um, about Auburn and what they've got to do moving forward uh, we'll play Hugh Freeze's press conference for you Daryl Daprich will join us on the phones tomorrow uh, he's always a lot of fun to talk to and he, he'll tell you like it is um, and what he thinks about this Auburn team so that'll be tomorrow uh, if you missed any of today's show I uh, had tons of good callers today uh, Talked with Jacob Hillman we talked about um, just uh, games in, in college football reacting to week three from college football uh, who should be scared who should be happy and confident after three weeks of football um, and of course we talked about auburn and sanford as well so if you missed any of the show today be sure to go and catch up with the podcast at espnau.com um, and, and check that out under the under the podcast tab or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast and uh t-bone is out there listening listening he's he texts me he said drinking coffee now for 7 a.m on Saturday so (laughs) he is making sure that he's got to get up and get ready for Saturday morning over on Wings 94.3 those guys do a fantastic job they're a lot of fun Jack and Uncle T-Bone so be sure you're checking that out on Saturday mornings as well but I got a couple of more minutes here before we get out of here and here's what I'll say about um uh, about the SEC in general okay because I think this is it's a weird spot for the conference right now It is. It's a weird spot for the conference because through three weeks of football, they just don't look very good. They don't look very good. I mean, like Jacob just said, the SEC's two best wins out of conference are Auburn over Cal and Missouri over Kansas State, which is a good win, by the way. But other than that, the SEC just hasn't done a whole lot. And so is the conference just bad or is it just a slow start? I don't know but the more we go the more I'm starting to think that maybe they're just not all that great this year maybe the SEC just doesn't have the teams that they've had in the past because Bama we know the struggles there Georgia had to wake up against South Carolina and come back and win that game Uh, Texas A&M lost to Miami and while they've rebounded I still don't think they're all that Arkansas got beat by BYU this weekend. Tennessee went to the Swamp and lost again. I just don't know where you're going to find the great teams in this conference. LSU looked good. And to be quite honest with you, we'll do some power rankings tomorrow. I'd put LSU at the top. I would. I'd put LSU right there at the top. Right now, because they rebounded really, really well from that Florida State loss. And they went and handled business against Mississippi State. No, I may change my answer tomorrow, but I don't think I will. I like that. I like LSU at the top right now in the SEC, but here's the bottom line. The conference better figure it out because now conference play starts. Who's going to be the best team in this conference? I don't know. we got a lot to figure out over the next few months. That's it for the Monday edition of On the Line. Again, go catch up with the podcast, ESPNAU.com. We'll have Hugh Freeze's press conference for you tomorrow. Daryl Daprich will join me as well, and we'll have a lot of fun. Two to four here on ESPN 106.7. Until tomorrow, I'm Jacob Goins. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.